0: My name is Scott. I'm lead pastor, Bethany North. I also work with All Bethany, so I get a chance to work with your pastor, Brad, who's out on sabbatical. So regular members, attenders, you know that we blessed and and sent Brad and Carrie uh, and the boys out on sabbatical. They're due back mid-August, and uh, if you're visiting, thanks for being here. We're in a series called Through the Spirit, and we believe that God has something to say to maybe just even one of you this morning. So maybe turn to the person on your left or the right and say, I think it's going to be me. I think I'm going to get a word from God about patience, because I need it. I need it. And if you're sitting alone, you'd be like, yep, it's for me, because we are in this together. Raise your hand if you've struggled with patience at all during the last 16 months or so of a pandemic. Anyone? A few of you haven't. So I'm going to talk to you, sir, after the sermon, and uh, I'll learn more. But... Um, our scripture today comes from a couple places. First, just from Galatians 5, and then from Colossians. I'll read this. We got no slides today. My buddy John, I said, I just want you really to listen and not have to do too much work. So I gave John the morning off from slides, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna hear what God has to say to all of us. So from Galatians 5, this is the kind of. Uh, Anchor verses we've been in the whole time of Galatians where we say the fruit of the Spirit is such as this. Have you guys been memorizing it? Anyone want to do it from memory, Roger Jensen? No? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Galatians 5. And then from... um, The rest of, uh, this comes from Colossians 1, verse 9 through 11. For this reason, Paul says, since the day we've heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and great patience." This is the word of God for us, the people of God. So, Jesus, would you just be present now, and would you speak to us as women and men trying to follow you, that you would give us this gift of endurance and the gift of patience. We know, God, that we can't control these things on our own, so we're going to need you to do that work in us, and we're hungry, God, uh, to see this work emerge in our lives. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So... Patience is the word. We've been just doing this week by week all summer long, kind of you know, looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And the big warning for us is that each and every week is not another thing, certainly to feel guilty about, or to try to be controlling about. Like if this is like, oh, it's Patience Week, I've got to do all the things perfectly so I can be patient. And then next week, I'm going to be in, you know, the next one. And last week, I was still trying to live in a peace, but I fail. Like, the, the fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of our hard work. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, which means this has got to be God's work in our life. This has got to be, as we're pursuing Jesus, these things will grow in us. There is a promise in Scripture. And over and over again, our tendency is to be outcome-minded, and Jesus is heart for us is to be process-minded. And so the process happens, as Jesus says, as you seek me, these things will come to bear. And we're always like, but if I, can I just like have the gifts? Can I just open the Christmas gift July 15th? Like, can I just get that? I want all the patience. I want all the, the love. I want all the peace. I want, I want it all. But we will spend our lives on this side of eternity hungering for more of these fruits in our lives. But how we pursue them is through Christ. And we want to be you know, continually reminding you through this series, it is Christ who gives us the fruit of his spirit in our life. So it's both a guarantee if we're seeking Christ. We don't want to be just kind of fruits, you know, kind of obsessed where we can kind of get these gifts. They're going to come after we seek Christ. Uh, to, uh, we think about patience. Other names that come through scriptures, waiting long-suffering, perseverance. There's something about that word long-suffering that I actually loathe. Like, I loathe that as a Christian, I'm going to need to be long-suffering. Because if anything, I want to be short-suffering, or if I'm actually given my preference, it'd be no suffering at all. But what the scriptures say is long-suffering. And as you start to read this book, And we are called to read the book. We're supposed to be people of the book. Finding Christ, you know, illuminating himself through these pages. Patience is all over it. You, you You can't avoid Christ's call to wait for him. The common definitions for patience is patience exhibited when the outcome to what we're hoping for is delayed, discouraged, or facing obstacles. When there's a deviation to our plan, that's when we have to exhibit patience. When things are going right, we don't need patience. When, you know, when, when the bank account's full, when my relationships are great, when the way that I've planned this day, this week, this month is just happening exactly as I would have hoped, that's not a time that patience is needed. So there's something challenging uniquely in patience because you won't need patience until it's the most challenged in your life. You won't need it until it's actually missing. Like it's just one of those weird fruits, like when things are going well, you're not needing to be patient. You're just actually just living. But it's as the obstacles come, the deviations, the you know, and, and for me at least, if I'm just vulnerable with you all, it's hard. Deviations are hard. Suffering's hard. Waiting's hard. Dissonance with family or friends are hard. But that's exactly when Jesus wants to remind us he's present, that this gift of patience is a gift of the Spirit through his life in us. Have you ever heard of that uh, book based on the scripture, The Prayer of Jabez? Any Prayer of Jabez? Okay, Prayer of Jabez was a book written, forget the authors, year 2000, Multnomah Press, um... Based on this small but beautiful scripture from 1 Chronicles 4, 9-10. through Why don't you hear me? Nothing wrong with scripture. Scripture is beautiful. It's wonderful about a really honorable man named Jabez. This is 1 Chronicles. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. May, you know, may it be said of us that we're honorable. May, like, may that be our pursuit. Honor. Because we're honoring Christ in our lives. Jabez, honorable. Uh, his brothers, not so much. Dirtbags. But I don't know what's going on with them. But his mother had named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Now, that's an interesting teaching all to itself, the ability to have honor, though the context to our life might at times be pain. Jabez had this honorable life. Jabez cried to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. I've prayed the same prayer. God, let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. I've prayed that same prayer. And then this incredible thing in the scriptures, it says, God granted his request. There was something about Jabez's his prayer, his cry. There's something about, and so this book in 2000 tells the story of Jabez. Wonderful. It's an honorable story. Birthed in pain, lived a life of honor, enlarged his territory, cried out to God. I love all of that. God did that work. I love all of that. I love stories like Dan Alley just shared of Camp Bad Dude. I love, those are called testimonies. We need testimonies. You know, hey, Bridge, what's God doing in your life? When I know what God's doing in your life, that's a testimony. And that's a place, because I see God working through your pain or through your honor, I'm I'm inspired. I'm encouraged. Like, yeah, we need more of that. The problem with the book, The Prayer of Jabez in the year 2000, it turned it into a program. That if you over 30 days prayed the prayer of Jabez, that God would, get ready for it, enlarge your territories, diminish your pain. I have a hard time with that. Because, you know, you don't know me, I don't get to spend a ton of time with you, but like for me, I lost a baby, I'm a sufferer of grief, and I could line you up one by one, and you could walk onto this platform, and you could say, here's how I was birthed in pain like Jabez, and though at times I've cried out to God, it's not a formula, it's not, and the scriptures bear that out, they tell the story of Jabez, I love it, but the scriptures are full of patience, because there's deviations. There's pain, there's suffering, there's discouragement in this life of faith on this side of eternity, but in time, we'll see Christ face to face and every tear will be wiped from our eyes. And that's not the prayer of Jabez, that's, that's the Bible. That's, that's the book of Revelation. We will be face to face with him. So the trick for patience is to remind her in the deviation, in the suffering, in the, the challenge, that this world does not define us. We're headed to another world, but we want to live this story well. We're not supposed to be just miserable until we're finally face-to-face with Christ. No. The scriptures say when you're patient, God's got a fruit for you here on this side of eternity so that your faith can grow. And so that's what I want to speak to you a little bit about this morning, like patience in our suffering, patience, patience Sorry, as we're dealing with people around us, and patience in our waiting. For how we want our life to go, or the church to go, or society to go, to trust God in the outcomes, and that we would be process-minded. We'll need patience when we suffer, we'll need patience with others, we'll need patience when we wait. So let's begin here, we'll need patience when we suffer. And in this regard, I be, I'm the bearer of bad news, and it's like, you know, you don't need me to tell you that, but it's not all prayer of Jabez, there's a lot of suffering too in the scriptures, but... Patience and suffering that God's present to us is everywhere in the scriptures. I, I've got about 20 verses in this message. You'll find, if, do a quick concordance look. There's 45 more at your fingertips. Here's Psalm 37:7. Be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. The context is in their ways against you. When they carry out their wicked schemes. Proverbs 15, 18. Hot tempers cause argument, but patience brings peace. And I dare you to use that one with your spouse next time you're arguing, but that's up to you. Ecclesiastes 7 The end of something is better than its beginning, patience better than pride. James 5 You must also be patient. Keep your hopes high, for the day of the Lord's coming is near. Romans 12 Rejoice in hope, be patient in troubles, be constant in prayer. Psalm 40 I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my celebration. No, he heard my cry. It's beautiful, but it it means that we will need patience, for we will struggle. I love Exodus 14, the Lord will fight for you, you need only be still. And the way that Hebrew word is translated, you could actually translate, you need only be patient. So we're meant to be people, as Paul said in Colossians 3 Incredibly patient. As God's chosen people, Paul says, Colossians 3.12, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And Paul was really crystal clear that the reason that we can be patient when we suffer is because Christ was patient. Like the beginning and end of Christ's earthly ministry was exhibited with patience. At the beginning of ministry, Jesus goes out into the desert 40 days, no food and water. The enemy is tempting him I love that reminder. We will be tempted. We can be tempted and not sin. Temptation does not equal sin. When you have a tempting thought regarding a substance, a relationship, a pursuit online, the temptation is not sin. Often the enemy wants to say, you've been tempted. You might as well just scratch the itch. You've sinned already. No, Jesus was tempted and did not sin. He was patient for 40 days of hunger and thirst, because he wanted to be so prepared in his waiting that the, God, the fullness of God would then fill him in his earthly ministry. He waited. He was patient at the beginning. And then what does it say at the end? He was patient at the end, even in the garden, all night long, sweating drops of blood, knowing the end was near, saying, Father, if at your will, take this cup from me. And he waited. And he waited in his suffering. And in that way, when we suffer, it, it, we don't have to think we're going it alone. Like, I'm sorry when we struggle. And you you know, I can't even begin to know the amount of suffering that you've endured the last year. Lost jobs, lost relationships, lost friendships. Like, I mean, I feel like that lost relationship thing has been so key in the church. So many broken relationships where people are like, leaving their small groups, leaving their faith. Like, man, how are we patient when we suffer? Jesus did and this is where I get to be a little bit of just the evangelist and remind you all God has been immeasurably patient with you in your life like I I don't know a lot of you but so I'll tell you just I tell stories from my own life only because I'm trying to connect to your story but let me tell you a bit of my story that none of us are defined by our worst days the, the glory of God was shown to me as a young man, and though I was disobedient, God never gave up on me. I mean, even when I confessed faith in Christ at 17 years old, and then, boom, that unhealthy season in my life, boom, that season of discouragement, boom, that, he never gave up on me. And I know that's your story too. Like the love of God has never run out on you. The patience that God has exhibited to you. Like, maybe that's an encouragement for you in devotional moments this week ahead. God, your patience with me. God has been immeasurably patient with you. He's never given up on you. And so when you feel like in your suffering, in your struggles, like if if you're like me, there's like, God, why am I having to go through this? Like, just to be reminded of God's incredible patience over the arc of your life and your story and your experience. You don't suffer alone you don't struggle alone no it's the resistance and the struggle that your faith can grow the opposite of patience the opposite of patience is impatience well i knew that it's resistance and that's that's challenging for me so resistance is the often uh, the uh, the antonym of patience is one there's others but resistance so when there's resistance It comes at an opposite level of where patience is born. Because in resistance, it's now the obstacle to what is going easy in my life. And in resistance, as people of faith, that's where our faith can flourish, in the resistance. I know it's like, well, it's easier to say than to do. But it's, it's like soul strength training. When you face in the day, weeks, or months ahead, something that's an obstacle to where you see God wants to move. In this relationship, in this, in this thing that you're struggling with internally, in a job thing. like, But in this resistance, I'm telling you, that's where God wants you to be patient. I've started to work out with my son, who's 15 in the mornings, and you're like, really? It doesn't see, you know, like, just be gentle, John, all right? Just be gracious, all right? So we go once in a while, maybe that, a little more content, once in a while, and my son is 15, and now he's taller than me, and he's getting stronger than me, and there's something about my male ego that doesn't always love that, so, you know, we're like go into a lap, pull down on the bench, and we're like trading off. And I get to where he was just, I was like, that's a lot of weight. But like I try to like load up a little bit more weight. Like I just want to be stronger than him for like one more month. And so I'll throw a little more weight on, you know. And i just mindful. Like you go to the gym, if there's no resistance, there's no strength training. If there's no resistance, there's no growth. If there's no resistance, there's no. And I look at him, I'm like, man, I just see your, your body flourishing. I love you. I love like seeing you just grow through the resistance. So when we suffer, when we face resistance, it's just this reminder. And I, please, like, just give me the grace to know, like, if this feels hard for you, because you're like, well, I don't even know this guy. And he doesn't know how hard this thing I'm facing. Like, you're right. But God does. And, and Jesus has never been impatient with you. He loves you. The so second thing I want to I look at here is just the reality about patience with each other. We'll need patience with others, and I'll move quicker here. You're like, this is on track for like an hour long sermon. We're not going to do that. So Paul says in Ephesians 4, I urge you to be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. Uh, Where will we find that kind of capacity to actually bear with one another in love? It's, It's through Christ himself. And it was encouraging instead this week to see at times that Christ was impatient with his followers. Remember Mark 9. You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? That seems a bit impatient. And then Jesus, boom, heals the boy that was brought to him. See, Jesus exhibited an endless patience that called people together. People that naturally wanted to drift. Jesus loved to see them love each other. You think about the makeup of the disciples. Jesus was God incarnate. Why in the world would he have a zealot and a tax collector? And, and brothers that are naturally going to feel rival? You know, these sets of brothers. Jesus put together his, his group of followers, not with like the easiest collection of people. People that at times would struggle to be in relationship to each other. Because it's Jesus is like, hey, you're going to have to learn patience even with each other. If you're gonna have patience for the non believing world. And I said it earlier, I, th- I think it's our impatience with the church and other Christians around us that I see being on social media. I see it certainly in the emails I get. Up. You know, I've been in this church for 40 years, but you know, it's boom, it's that person that said a hard thing for me, and ugh, I'm gonna go find a new church. It's really hard to be patient with each other. You could look in the book of Hebrews. Where people of faith who are commended, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, for having patience. For continuing to display faith without arriving at their, their heart's desire. like the, the hall of faith is this reminder that patience will equal godliness if you're continuing to pursue Jesus. Nobody looks at you when you're long-suffering and be like, oh, you know what? Everything was so easy for them that like, I so admire their faith. I want to challenge you, because the scriptures do, have patience with other Christians. Have patience with people who say and follow Jesus, but do it differently than you. It's really hard, because we've become really justice-minded over the last year, and that's, that's good, but if my justice is judging the way that Dan worships Jesus with his view on you know, his sports team, or his take on this... P- like if now if I can't see Christ working in Dan, there, there's, a, there's an obstacle to the faith that's meant to unite us. Yeah, we're, we're meant to be truth tellers, certainly. But the scriptures also talk over and over again about the patience we're meant to display with other people of faith. Other people in your family. Other people at your job site. Other people in your neighborhood. Other people that you are roommates with. You are meant to be waiting and being patient even if people are pursuing God in a different angle or you can't quite see exactly what God's doing in their journey. You're meant to be patient. I want to tell you a story about this. A little bit different, but we can often kind of see the problem with patience is we know what God should do next, right? Just really clear. Like, the job I need, the relationship, like, you name it. We're like, God, if you just did this thing next week, we'd all be really happy. Like, and patience calls that into question because patience says, am I the Lord of my life or is God the Lord of my life? If I'm the Lord of my life, I don't need to be patient because things will happen the way that I want them to happen. If God's the Lord of my life, then I have to continually lay my will on the altar and say, God, I'm going to wait for this thing that I want, even godly things, this kid of mine that I want to experience Christ, this person in my life that I want to see really be set free from addiction. A lot of times we're impatient about really great things, but impatience can breed in us the spirit of pride a spirit of of disobedience actually obedient christians are meant to be patient for what god's going to do next even if god doesn't differently than we want so at bethany north we office in a former strip club and now we're getting ready to rent a space for gathered worship that used to be a fun, a fun center, like putt-putt golf. We don't do anything traditionally. But back about seven years ago, there was, a, there was an empty, abandoned strip club on Aurora. It was called Sugars, uh, and that name is horrible in and of itself. And the family, uh, there was a crime family that owned it. And they're in prison right now because they were doing racketeering and underage things. Just horrible. Like, this, when we entered the building, the spirit of the enemy was in that place. I don't know if you've had that experience, but you can, like, literally feel evil. You're like, there's something ungodly in this space. So the space had been a strip club and horrible things happening. The abomination of anything to do with God. And the federal government... Seized it, and the people went to prison, and then it sat empty for a number of years, and then a local businessman bought it to just transform it. And our church at the time, seven years ago, we were meeting in a community center up north, Bethany North, up in Shoreline. And um, and we, we said, oh, there's an empty building here on our neighborhood. It's too small to worship. But we kept praying about it. We're like, we think God wants us to do something here. Very long story, very short, we rented this space and we transformed it. We went in and prayed over those spaces that felt evil and pulled the mirrors down and pulled the drywall down and pulled the carpet up. It was just disgusting. And punched windows in and, and then we rented the front half to a coffee shop and now we office in the back half in that first year as we were kind of launching um the the shoreline pastors association was having a prayer meeting they said hey we want to kind of honor what god did with bethany in that space now called the junction will you just come and there's a bunch of pastors and prayer ministers come and just tell the story so Got up in front of, you know, I don't know, a couple hundred people that are all there to pray and honor God, between all these different denominations. And I started telling the story what I thought God had done at the junction. Oh, it was the strip club. And then it was, you know, it was horrible. And then we rented it. And then we put windows in and we prayed and we wrote prayers all over the studs and, you know, under the drywall so that the word of God is written under that. You know, it's like one part of the story. And afterwards, this woman came up to me and she was shaken. She was like white as a ghost, and she said, when that place was a strip club, we would go every week, we went every week to pray around that space, like Jericho, we'd walk around that building, some other Christian women and myself, we'd walk and we'd pray, we'd lay hands on the building, we'd pray for the women as they were going to work, we'd pray for the men as they were departing, we prayed and prayed. we did it for years, patience, right? I'm like, oh, well, that's incredible, like, thank you, you know, like... Some of what you prayed kind of became these, like... Like, I had no idea that part of the story. She wasn't interested in my perspective. She kept talking. And that was fine. Like, she she was having her own moment with God. She's like, we prayed for years. I think there was, like, seven years we prayed around that building. Every week. We patiently waited. And then we stopped. I said, why did you stop? She said, we wondered what was taking God so long. And she she, she was she was having like this moment of regret with God. And it was this moment of awakening for her that the ways of humanity and the ways of God are not the same. See, in her mind, God wasn't hearing the prayers. And they gave up because they thought they had lost. But God plays the end game, the long game, not the short game. What did Peter say? With humans... What does he say? You know, a day is a thousand years, and with the Lord, a thousand years like a day. I just ruin that verse for you forever. So just go and look up the actual verse in Peter. But the point is, our sense of timing and God's sense of timing couldn't be more out of whack. And so when there's an obstacle, when there's something you're facing with other believers or other people that are outside the faith, keep believing that God's timing is not like your timing and if there are situations that you've given up on because you're just that, like, what was taking so long, maybe this is an encouragement to, like, get back on your knees and pray about again. The person that, you know, I don't need to go through the whole litany of things. Maybe there's something, though, this week that God wants to remind you that he's still working. And that's where I kind of want to wrap us up. Like, patience and waiting is so key. I, I joke of Bethany North. I feel like we've been talking about waiting as a community, at least up there, a lot in the last year, certainly through the, through the pandemic and whatever. I was thinking a lot about the story of Joshua and how Joshua had to wait and not have his faith in God's goodness eroded. Joshua was the leader to lead Israel across the Jordan into the promised land. He was anointed, but before that, he waited. Now, the story of the spies, different, different message for a different day. But Joshua and Caleb were two of the 12 that went in to survey the land. The journey for Israel should have been about 11 to 40 days. It took them 40 years. The 10 other spies that went into the land all said, yeah, there's too many obstacles, so let's, let's wait. Let's not enter in. And to no fault of his own, Joshua had to wait almost four decades and I've just been thinking about that young man as he was being prepared for his future of authority and leadership. He knew what was on the other side of the river, and that allowed him to wait. Even though he was like, gosh, you guys, we're, we're, we're wading around here in, in, the, in the desert, eating quail and eating manna, and, and over there is so much that's so good. But what the scriptures say about Joshua is he never stopped serving Moses. And he often never departed the tent of meeting. He loved to be with God. That's how Joshua waited. So, 40 years later, guess what? Joshua is strong, he's courageous, he's ready to lead because he's waited well. And our seasons of waiting can either be seasons of dissatisfaction, disillusionment at our worst, seasons where sin grows and breeds in us because we're like, hey, I'm waiting anyway for that next relationship, the next job, the next thing I'm dealing with. Hey, whatever. It's kind of COVID. Like, I, I spent like a month of COVID. It felt like, you know, watching Netflix and eating sourdough rolls. Like, it wasn't good for me. Like, I can either wait in such a way that I'm being prepared for the next battle Or I can wait in a way that will ultimately disqualify me because I'm stuck in my own brokenness or sin and not being filled with the glory of God. So, when you face situations of waiting, sometimes like Joshua, that had nothing to do with your own sinful choice. Sometimes you're just waiting. You're waiting to leave Seattle. You're waiting for this. You're waiting. Like, may you believe that your season of waiting could be a season of preparation. What is God preparing you for next? What promise? And, you know, this is not just a message to, you know, Dylan, how old are you? Okay, this is not just a message to Dylan. It's like, can Scott just talk to Dylan directly? Because this is awkward for the rest of us. I'm telling you, Roger, how old are you? Old. Yeah, older than 23, right? Yes, I know. And we're friends, so I can call you. Some of you are like, man, that seems a little callous to call. It. No, like you're in different seasons. I honestly believe to both of you men that God's preparing you for a, a next battle. Like, may we always believe that. Caleb, right, at the end of the story, he's 80. Like, I'm heading into, the, I'm heading into the, the, the hills, you know? So may we believe that our seasons of waiting are seasons of preparation. And when we struggle in our relationships with each other, you know, Lord, help me wait well. You, you want me to love the body of Christ, especially now when it's really hard. And when we we struggle, when we just have our guts ripped out, like, may you believe that God is waiting there with you in your suffering, in your long suffering, and that all our seasons where patience is being most tested can actually be used to his glory in our life. So that we would become, all of us, young, old, male, female, like, no matter how different we are in this room, that our faith in Christ would flourish, and that this gift of patience would grow in us. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for just this reminder that the difficulty to to be patient is a human condition. That Jesus, that you came to earth to live and die and ultimately be resurrected in order to help us understand that we have a deeper life within us, an abundant life, a life that allows us to be patient in our suffering, in our struggles with one another, in our waiting. So God, grow in us all this fruit that people around us would see us as patient people. And they wouldn't see it just because we try harder or because we're good or because we're, you know, like Seattleites that recycle. No, that we're filled with the power of your spirit, Jesus. That's what we hunger for. That we would know and encounter you that it would be an experiential faith, a transformative one. And the people in this city would come back to living faith in you, God. That they would come to call upon your name in salvation. We want to see a move of God break out in Seattle, God. So that when they see patience in the people in this room, they're actually seeing you work in the people in this room. So God, we, we ask and pray for more patience. For your glory. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. As we close in worship before Jen gives the benediction. Communion is open. The table is, is open. I love how you guys are doing it this summer. So when God stirs your heart and you want to seek more patience in your, in your week, you want to say thank you for a situation in your life, you want to hunger for more of God's spirit, that table is open to anyone that wants to pursue Christ. The body and the blood broken, shed for us. He was so patient. So when you take communion today, may you experience that love again. Let's close in worship.